0: This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the 343 Podcast. On this episode, Joey Cassio joins me to discuss Greg Berhalter's interview with the American Outlaws and our takeaways for the upcoming year of U.S. men's soccer. This interview with the national team coach was part of a three-part series recorded and produced by U.S. soccer in coordination with the biggest supporters group in the country. The other two interviews were with USSF Sporting Director Ernie Stewart and Chief Administration Officer Brian Rometty. Joey and I decided to focus solely on Burhalter's interview. During this interview, he doubled down on talking points that he made immediately after being announced as coach of the U.S. men's national team. Although the points were slightly modified in this interview, the essence of his preferred playing style and tactics remained intact. According to Greg, the U.S. men's national team should be able to dominate possession of the ball, disorganize their opponents, and create goal-scoring opportunities. So, these three Three very specific criteria will be used to judge the U.S. men's national team and Burhalter himself in the year of 2020. These three criteria will be used regardless of which players are on the field, who the opponent is, or where the game is being played. The team either consistently demonstrates this identity or they don't. There is no in-between this year. Now, some people might be hearing this and be thinking that it's already old news. But as I stated earlier, I think dissecting Greg's interview helps set the stage for the entire year ahead of us, and quite frankly, many years to come. If you have not seen or heard the interview with Greg Berhalter, you can find a link to it in the write-up of this podcast episode, episode 245 on 343coaching.com. Throughout the rest of this year, we will be producing more content covering the men's national team and other important American soccer topics. So please subscribe to the podcast on whatever application you are listening to, whether Spotify, Google Play, Apple, whatever, just hit the subscribe button. So that way you never miss an episode. We know that a lot of you are coaches and we know that a lot of you are parents. So if you are listening to this and you are in one of those two groups, we have solutions to some of your other problems. Coaches for you if you are looking for high quality coaching education a program that can teach you how to coach possession-based soccer and perhaps something that has already been proven to work here in the united states at all levels you can get that with 343's premium coaching membership it's a program that i've personally gone through and i can recommend based on my own personal experience i tell you hands down it is the best coaching education program available in the united States. To learn more about the benefits of that program or to get started immediately, you can visit 343coaching.com. And if you are a parent that is looking for smarter training plans for your player, we have a program for you. As coaches, we've mentored youth and professional soccer players, and we want to help you properly mentor your player. That is why we developed the Player Development Masterclass. The course isn't quite ready yet, but you can get it on the priority enrollment list right now. We will be launching the course soon, and the people on the priority enrollment list will be the first to know when registration opens. You can find all the information about that new course by visiting 343masterclass.com. All right, let's get into today's episode. Thank you so much for listening and for being part of the 343 community. Let's just start with maybe some general thoughts about the interview, Joey. What did you take away from that video interview from American Outlaws with Greg Berhalter?
1: Yeah, listening to it, I think it concerns me that, number one, just the whole... The whole feel of the interview, you know, you just got the feeling that, OK, the, the questions were predetermined. Greg knew what the questions would be. He probably had time to to craft answers to the questions. And it just seemed a little scripted. There wasn't too much like follow up from I don't, I for, forgive me, I don't remember the guy's name answering the questions, but there was no real follow-up or trying to dig a little deeper from him based on Greg's answers. To me, it just seemed like U.S. soccer, from all of the backlash that's been going on over the past uh, couple years, they knew that they they needed to do something like this to try to maybe take some pressure off to get in front of a camera and, and and speak to the the main supporters group of the national team and make it seem like they were giving an effort uh to show that they want to be transparent but watching it it just it doesn't seem authentic to me really uh and then yeah going through the answers and that that great gives you know we'll i think we'll discuss those in more depth but it's it's concerning you know the the answers are concerning to me.
0: If i'm not mistaken at some point last year the reason why greg burhalter wrote a letter to american outlaws was because of the way like he walked off the field and didn't didn't uh, acknowledge them or or something after a match is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So i i had that in the back of my mind. I wasn't sure if that was exactly correct. But then he ended this interview and we're skipping over, you know, the six or seven questions that this guy asked him, but he ended the interview saying something like, Hey, you know, in order for us to reach like real or or to achieve real progress, like it needs to be a joint venture between the team and the fans. And and we couldn't do this without you guys. And and that to me seemed very like, kind of like on my knees, kind of like, like, I don't know, bowing down to them in, in some way, like. Very, but but also very fake. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't genuine to me when when he started to say stuff like that, and so I kind of looked at this interview like um, like this was almost like an apology tour from U.S. Soccer. Like, hey, like we need to win the American outlaws back. We lost them last year with the way that Greg kind of walked off the field without acknowledging them. We didn't do great on the field to begin with. Uh, Everybody's kind of up in arms. And so what can we do to kind of get it back in their good graces? Well, hey, let's give these guys access to, to soccer house. Let's give these guys a sit down with the national team coach, with the, with the director. And to me, like from that angle, it just, it seems, I think like you said, uh, very disingenuous. And through that lens, when you watch when you watch the interview, it's like, I don't know. I don't know how any, anybody else can take it seriously.
1: Yeah. It, it's been obvious to, I think, pretty much everybody who follows the national team that the work going on in the field is nowhere near good enough. And there's been a lot of uh, negative feedback and, and reaction amongst the American soccer public and in the past, I think the American soccer public would see something like this and think, oh, this is this is great. You know, yeah, things aren't perfect, but hey, we're this this is a step in the right direction. And I think U.S. soccer is aware of that. I think they know that, hey, maybe if we do something like this, we 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 talk about, you know, what we're thinking and how we're seeing things that people will come back around and will gain people's support again. Ultimately this means nothing unless the work on the field reflects what Greg has said in this, in this conversation. So yeah, it's great. They sat down for an interview, didn't seem too genuine, but uh, ultimately, I think it doesn't matter unless we start to see some progress and, and some good work being done on the field.
0: Let's talk about some of the questions that they asked. And, and, you know, they started out by talking about some of the stuff on the field. And I think the very first question ha- had something to do with hey, like, how can you guys rediscover yourselves on the field and, and rediscover what the U.S. men's national team identity was in years past, which they went back to a talking point that is very kind of old and tired and boring to me, which they started to talk about the the team's grit work rate and, and things like that, which to me is very uninteresting. And to lead with a question like that to me was like boring, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of how it, it started out. I don't know. Did you take any notes or anything specific jump out to you about that one question?
1: Yeah. I think it's, I think it's crazy that here we are 2020 and we consider our identity as American soccer to be hardworking and, and grit and determination. It's like, no, every single top level football team in the world has these things ingrained in their identity. It's non-negotiable for me. It's like, we need to be beyond this. Like that itself is not enough. There should be those things and much more. So, okay. From day one, with Burr Halter on the field. It's like that we should never show cracks in those areas and we should be showing progress in terms of a tactical identity and player identification uh, qualities. You know, what, what do we want the players to possess who are being chosen for the national team? And we got to get past this hard work and determination and, and grit. It's like, come on guys, that might've worked in 1990, or the nineties, but now 2020, like there's gotta be much more to it than that. We shouldn't be satisfied with even that being like brought up. And, And in the conversation, I think he's, he said something along the lines of like, yeah, there were games where, you know, we, we showed good determination and there were other games where we didn't. It's like, that should never be the case. A national team that represents America, like we should not have inconsistency in those areas non-negotiable those things and okay now we're talking about tactics and, and other things as well
0: to me the conversation about hard working and and grit and determination and all that stuff those are recycled talking points that people have been using for the last two three decades that i believe are used because they don't know how to talk about the game any differently and that's been my stance of, about those topics for quite a while now and i'm really really upset that were that we're back to talking about that to lead off, you know, twenty twenty. I felt like the national team should be in a in a much better or, or different spot. And then to have the the conversation still being about that to me is really, really disappointing. Nonetheless, here we are, Joey. Um, <laughs> I agree man it's crazy <laughs> let us uh let's move on to the second question and i I don't necessarily want to go through question by question. You and I before we started recording, we both mentioned that we have notes on some of the questions we didn't share those notes with each other. I feel like that's important for me to tell everybody that's listening uh, so it's not like we we've seen each other's notes right now, but um we both went ahead and, and watched these interviews and and took notes. Uh, on our own. So I'm curious to see what you might have to say about the second question, but this is where he started to talk about the development of, of the team's identity, the style of play, the developing of players and, and, and so on. So what were some of your reactions to the, to the second question?
1: Yeah, once again, like he said in the past, you know, he said that the style of play is to dominate the ball and to use the ball to, you know, unorganize or unbalance the opponent to create goal scoring opportunities. And, and we've discussed this uh, several times in the past on previous episodes and the work that we've seen on the field over the past year does not reflect those words. We are not seeing that. Um, again, we play, we, we play in CONCACAF where Every single opponent, maybe maybe besides Mexico, but I still think that we should be able to dominate possession against Mexico. All the other opponents, we should be dominating possession of the ball. It should be an all-out assault in the opponent's half, creating a number of chances, and we have complete control, and we're not seeing that. So, um, you know, his words of what he Wants the style of play to be, we still have not seen the evidence of that being the case uh, on the field in the games.
0: One of the things that jumped out to me was his talk about developing talents. And I think I wrote down a, a quote. He said, we have players at Chelsea. We have players in the Bundesliga. We are developing talent. And my my note underneath that was no, you aren't developing shit. Other people, other programs, other clubs, other other people throughout these players' you know journey have have developed them. Your job as as a national team coach and your job as a national team program is to select these players, bring these players in, and and get them to a level where they can play with each other. But you guys aren't developing talent. You guys aren't developing anything you're you're managing some of the best players best american players but you're not developing them what's uh what's maybe your reaction to that before we kind of get back to some of the other stuff that you brought up
1: yeah he's gone back and forth on this in the past he said this where yeah we're developing talents uh but he's also said that it's not the national team's job to develop players and now he's going back to saying that we're developing talents and he, he brings this up later in the conversation as well. And what I kind of got from it was like, he's making the excuse because he specifically brings up younger players. we you know, these guys are young. Uh, we're, we're working to develop these young players. It's almost like he's using it as an excuse to buy himself more time. If the results and the performances on the field aren't up to the correct standard. That's what I got from it is just he's using it as an excuse. And it seems more like that with him flip-flopping on this topic saying, oh, it's not our job to do it. Oh, yeah, we're developing young talents. You know what I mean?
0: Are you saying like, you know, he's got guys that are 17, 18, 19 years old, and, you know, it's going to take time for them to – blossom into full national team players so maybe like he's dangling like a carrot down the road but for now he can kind of wash his hands for any results that might happen before those players fully blossom
1: i think he's even referring to like pulisic and um some of the other established mckinney some of the more established players uh in europe who are to american standards still considered young i think he's even saying that they're developing those players as well
0: Yeah. I agree with what you're saying. I disagree with how people view development. And I don't think that people understand that development, for the most part, is done by the time you're at these guys' age, right? So if you're 21, 22, 23, you're done developing. At that point, it's just managing and tweaking and and having a manager, like we talked about in a previous episode, that can get the most out of your skill set. But you're not developing new skills, Or, 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 or new ways of being able to play the game by the time you're 21, 22, 23. And I think that's a big myth that people don't really understand, or it's it's a myth that people buy into actually that, that you can be developed all the way until you're 30 years old or, or whatever. I don't, I, I don't believe that myth.
1: Yeah. And it's the job of the domestic uh, clubs and franchises to develop the players. That's where the players spend the most time. Uh, they're working with the staffs on a daily basis throughout the year for the most part. And then they get brought into the national team for, you know, these these short camps. And then they play one or two games at a time and then they're back with their franchise or club. So, yeah, like you said, the national team's job is to select players that they feel can execute the identity and style of play they come in the coaching staff is supposed to be able to orchestrate a high level you know ability to perform in these national team level games and get results that is it there's no there's no developing talents in the national team programs
0: he also doubled down on some of the the criteria to be judged on and we've we've used these criteria to judge him over the course of the last year but he mentioned things like Dominating possession of the ball, disorganizing the opponent, and creating goal-scoring opportunities. And I, I don't know if those are exactly the same three things that we talked about in a lot of the previous episodes. But again, these are these are three things now that we can judge him on in 2020. So, what are what are your thoughts about those three things?
1: Yeah, I think that is what we did. You know, in the past when we went back and would evaluate performances in certain episodes, we used that criteria, and he's. He's restating that that's his style of play once again. So going into 2020, as we start to uh, get into the national team games, that's that's exactly what we should be looking looking at.
0: I I didn't have any notes on the third question. I wrote down question three, and then I didn't I didn't take any notes. So I don't know if there wasn't anything significant there. If I remember correctly, he started to talk about maybe the style of play and how it changes if they're playing a you know a superior opponent for example i think he gave he gave brazil as the example like oh you're not going to disorganize brazil um the way that you would disorganize cuba but i i didn't think there was too much in there that was noteworthy other than he made a couple of excuses because he 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 says something like that like oh we're not going to dominate brazil or france or germany or things like that so he's kind of setting setting himself up for for a cop out there
1: Probably the top, what, 10, 15 teams in the world, like, yeah, maybe maybe our, our tactics change a little bit, but other than that, we should be doing and performing the things that he has said, ball possession, unbalancing the opponent and creating chances on goal. Outside of those top 15 teams, that's what we should see every time.
0: Is Canada one of those top 15 teams? Absolutely not. So this is where, you know, to me it's stupid because when you you look at a team like Canada, the last time we played them, even though we won, it was at home, we beat them, but we didn't dominate possession. We didn't disorganize Canada. We did create and and convert some scoring opportunities, but nowhere to the level of, you know, what we should expect when we're playing somebody outside of the top 15 in, in the world, right? Like Canada... Canada, it's a stretch to to consider them to be in the top 50 in the world. And we were not demonstrating or displaying any of these three points.
1: He he brings that up. He brings up the Canada game. And again, I think this is more of an excuse than anything else. But, uh, you know, he said something along the lines of, you know, we analyzed Canada and we saw that, okay, if we let them have the ball, that they'll leave certain spaces for us. And then we, when we win it, we can take advantage. But uh, your, your team identity, as he said, is ball possession. And, you know, he goes on to say like, oh, yes. Yeah. So, so for some games, you know, we can change based on, based on what we see from the opponent. But it's like, dude, you, you, your principles of play are possession, You know, you, you shouldn't be going away from that. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe Canada does leave certain space when they have the ball, but that doesn't mean you allow them to have the ball when the principles of your team's play is to keep possession, own possession of the ball. So I thought that that was another excuse for, uh, the way that the team performed against Canada.
0: Yeah, I agree and he, he starts to talk a little bit about you know canada and, and some other opponents in another question we'll get to that in just a moment i, I didn't feel like that third question had much significance I, I wasn't too interested in the question um or or the topic the talking points that got brought up so i didn't even write down any notes about it but the next question <laughs> yeah that's, that's funny that we're kind of on the same page there but the next question i wrote down something right away and and the interviewer. And again, I don't know his name either. Um, which I don't think not, not to discredit him. I don't think it's that important that, you know, that we know his name because he's speaking on behalf of the American outlaws and a a large group of fans. So these were questions that were uh, pulled together to, um, to create these, you know, six to seven questions that were asked of Greg Berhalter of and of Ernie Stewart. It wasn't this guy's questions. Um, so he's speaking on behalf of American Outlaws. So I, 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 I want to make sure that I kind of clear the air on that because it's not a dig against this guy at all. Um, and I don't think he's a professional interviewer either. So there's nothing as far as the interview goes that I think is worth critiquing. But moving on to the next question, he, he asked something about how player selection is handled, who's being called in, why are they being called in, uh, what are the criteria for selecting a player? Things along those lines, right? And so one of the one of the quick responses that Greg Berhalter gave was, um, "Who's in form?" He kind of he kind of posed that question to to the interviewer, and my immediate response in my head, and what I wrote down on, on my notes was, "None of the MLS players are in form. They're not even in season." So why why would you be you know talking about form for a January camp when more than half the roster is on vacation? So it, it's just again, it's a stupid talking point that uh, again is disingenuous in my opinion. Anyways, the topic was player selection. I'm curious to see what your notes might have been compared to mine.
1: Yeah, I didn't I didn't write down too much to be honest. Um, you know, yeah, he talks about that. Uh, he talks about looking at the opponent and deciding what what they need in the roster based on the opponent. But again, if your principles of play are set, that should drive the decision-making when selecting players. And, you know, we talk about qualities that have to do with playing possession soccer. Um some of those players selected don't reflect that, so i I don't really understand that
0: another p- thought that popped into my head as he was talking, and he was talking about you know january camp and and you know selecting players for 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 this camp was difficult because some players are mid season and and whatnot, and it got me kind of thinking about how stupid this must be. Or, or how stupid we might look to other clubs and other nations around the world, right? Because we were supposed to have this camp in in the Middle East, and many, many clubs are there, you know, for their winter break and, and for like their mid-season break and, and doing friendlies and um, whatever. They're they're together as clubs, and we would have been a national team there hosting a camp when all these other clubs are, are hosting their camp. And to me, that's like, it's an almost it's borderline embarrassing to think that we're hosting a, a national team camp while all these other clubs are, are mid season and they're getting ready to, you know, return back to their leagues. And here we are. MLS players are in their third month already of vacation and their seasons don't start for another two months. It's, it's, it's crazy to me to think that. So uh, most MLS teams were done playing in early October So early October, November, December, January, they're doing, uh, some players are involved in this national team camp. And then I think full camp for MLS franchises, they don't go back until like end of January, beginning of February for seasons to start in March. So that's early October, November, December, January. So four, almost four months of vacation for MLS players. It's, it's crazy to me to think that they have that much time off and that we would be hosting a, a national team camp when all these other clubs are in the midst of their seasons. It's a weird thought, but...
1: I'm sure the rest of the world doesn't take us seriously, and this is one of the reasons why. Yep.
0: <laughs> yep. All right, let's move on. Uh Bye. Another question that was that was asked more or less about his feelings about the year. So kind of recapping 2019, Greg Berhalter was asked to just, you know, talk about what was good, what was bad, what you know, what can we improve on, like kind of kind of things like that. Did you write down any notes for, for that question? I don't know if it was the fifth or maybe there's a a question in between there, but this is the I have it as question five.
1: Greg brings up team chemistry. Now I guess you could look at this two one of two ways. Um, me, I would think that it would have to do with on the field, the chemistry on the field. Uh, and like we talked about, we just we don't see the evidence in the games. Uh, you know, I, he talks about players establishing friendships and bonds, which I'm sure most of that goes on behind closed doors, you know, off of the field. Or maybe a little bit in training, but uh, is that what's important or is what is important, you know, their understanding of what their role is and getting an idea of what the players do inside the actual games. To me, that would be the priority. And uh, he was happy with the team chemistry. I don't see it. I don't think that that is a bright spot for the year. Uh, he said that they did a good job establishing a baseline for play. We've talked about that already. We don't see it you know, based on his words and his style of play, not reflective in the performances. Uh, And then he went on to use like some stats. Uh, Like he used the expected goals stats, which I don't care for that.
0: That made me cringe when he brought that up. Oh, I was so bummed when he
1: did that. It's like, what are you doing, man? Like trying to justify what's going on based on expected goals stats. Like dude, you're not winning games. What, what are the goals look like? Are you scoring goals? Like no, (laughs) To, to bring that stat out again, it just seemed like another excuse for maybe 2019, which wasn't all that great.
0: One of the things that jumped out at me was he again cited the first 20 minutes of a game versus Mexico as like a good sign like kind of signaling that hey look progress 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 but how long can we talk about the first 20 minutes of a game that we ultimately lost to our rival not just lost I think we 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 pretty handedly lost and there's this sense that they are holding on they're grasping on for dear life to that 20 minutes against Mexico as as evidence hey look we we did make some progress And the way that Greg positioned it in his response or one of his talking points for this question was that the way that people react to games is in a way that kind of like tries to discredit all the progress that they make. And I think that it does no justice to his talking point when he cites, you know, or or his example for progress is 20 minutes Against Mexico in a loss to me it makes no absolutely no sense why you would try to justify everything and hold on for dear life on this on this hill that he's apparently will die on um, of you know playing well or decent against Mexico for 20 minutes I can't believe we're talking about this again in, in you know to start 2020
1: yeah Ernie Ernie brought that up in that conference call that he did months back. He talked about that 20 minutes against Mexico. We're talking about our national team here. We better be able to put performances together that are a solid or well-executed 80-plus minutes of football. Uh, you know, usually during the course of a game, yeah, maybe there's maybe a 10-minute stretch of, you know, the opponent maybe has the, the momentum, And then being able to take the momentum back is a big part of being a good football team. But to say 20 minutes against Mexico um, is a sign of progress, is nonsense. And that's another example of, you know, they seem to try to shine a light on anything they possibly can to show the, the fan base, hey guys, we're making progress. Um, but it's, it's just, it, it's not real. You know, these things are, are not real signs of progress. Uh, and if we're buying into them, what does that say? What does that say about us as a, as a supporter base? You know, we, our standards have to be, have to be higher than that. 20 minutes against Mexico is just not good enough.
0: And if you want an example of, you know, maybe real progress and, uh, and, you know, how a team, or a coach can and should kind of view progress, a better example would be Bielsa and Leeds against Arsenal. And those guys had a very impressive 45 minutes against a superior opponent. So that is a better marker for like progress. But also when you couple that with all of the results that Bielsa and Leeds have had over the last year and a half now, it's a much, much different picture than the U.S. men's national team. So if, if you want if, if somebody wants to you know really kind of dive in and, and look at the, those two examples side by side I know you know it's club soccer versus national team soccer it's different countries blah blah, blah whatever but you know if you want to talk about uh, instilling an identity uh, holding holding yourself accountable uh, real progress things like that those are two very good examples I think that you could that you could use to to paint those pictures.
1: Yeah, I think that I think that's a good example. That's perfect. That's what we should be. Yeah, leads leads United second division players. You know, they're not they're not Premier League level players yet. Anyway, I think Bielsa is elevating some of them. But yeah, going up against a superior opponent, dominating the game. I think that that's doable for us. And then again, playing in Concacaf. Uh, you take Leeds 45 minutes against Arsenal we should be able to play 80 to 90 minutes that way against our CONCACAF opponents
0: yep it shouldn't look like Canada like, like how we played against Canada we shouldn't we, we should look like Leeds playing against Canada we shouldn't we, Canada shouldn't look like Leeds we should look like Leeds But yeah. but, but we weren't so uh, I, I think there was maybe one last question from that interview, or maybe just kind of like a, like allowing Greg to to sign off with a statement. Um, did you have any other notes from from the rest of that interview?
1: Uh, I think the last question they he asked what the ultimate objectives are, and then how can fans measure. And he goes on to say something along the lines of, you know, the the guys meaning the players have a good understanding of what we're trying to do. Yet to be seen on the field, uh, as we've said. Uh, And he goes on to say a lot of the goals scored um, are basically results of the exercises and what we're doing in training. I don't remember off the top of my head many goals where you see a well orchestrated move and it's something to be proud of. I could be wrong. Maybe there's one or two. But off the top of my head, I don't remember any. And then, yeah, again, I, I think that last question he he brings up the, uh, you know, we're a younger team and we're in a state of developing developing that younger team. And these players need space to grow, which I think is just uh, maybe prepping the fan base for, okay, if things don't go great, you know, remember guys, we're a young team. We, we need time. These players need space to grow, which is nonsense. Uh, this is the national team. For the U.S., uh, results should be there, performances should be there, and if they're not, there should be pressure on Greg as the head coach.
0: The goals that come to my mind aren't anything of uh, you know a, sub- a substance when it comes to you know his playing style or the playing style that he wants the U.S. men's national team to play, or maybe he he wholeheartedly I think believes that they're playing some type of of way, and I I don't think so. But like the goals that come to my mind are. You know, off that flubbed uh, punt against Canada, where I think it went to Serginio Dest or somebody like on the on the right side, and, and then Paul maybe like a, a pass forward to Paul Ariola. Can't remember exactly how that how that one played out, but it's like that's not something you plan for. Like you don't plan for the the goalkeeper to mis punt a ball, and then you guys to take advantage of that. Like that's that's disingenuous if you, if you're saying something like that. And another example of a goal that comes to mind that we analyzed in a in a previous episode was the the mishit pass by jackson ewell that i think was intended for weston mckinney it goes over mckinney's head and surprises jordan morris who takes a horrendous first touch most likely because he wasn't expecting to receive the ball in the first place and his horrendous first touch took him inside of the the penalty area and and he, he ultimately scored out after, after after that bad first touch but that wasn't you know orchestrated that wasn't a designed goal and so when he, when I, I do remember now how he reacted to when he was saying stuff like that it, it seemed fake to me. It, yeah. it, it seemed really fake to me. And, and I think a lot of our goals came from open play, but I don't think a lot of them were orchestrated. If that makes yeah, if that makes more any of, sense.
1: It seems like it's more of a result of sort of random, a random series of events yeah instead of, you know, a well-orchestrated move.
0: Yeah. So uh, another example would be, you know, I think it was Jossie's goal against Canada, right? I think it was just like a long ball that got, you know, pumped forward, maybe off of a, I think right after a foul or something like that near midfield. And so they just dumped a ball into the corner and it kind of gets knocked around a little bit and then ended up at Jossie's feet and Jossie scored basically like off of a deflection from Canada, like the ball deflected from Canada, I think, and landed at Jossie's feet and he scored that you don't that's not orchestrated yeah it, i mean of course celebrate it it's a goal and be proud about it but it's not orchestrated so yeah anyways these are the the criteria these are the thoughts that we can use to continue to judge the body of work from greg berhalter from the u.s men's national team staff and then the players themselves throughout 2020 if people need or or want to join the conversation with joey and i we would be more than happy to exchange ideas and thoughts and comments with you Uh, you can find joey on twitter at casio underscore fg you can find me at that croatian guy and you can also find a much better forum on the actual website so 343coaching.com you can find the write-up for this episode and you can give us your brain dump tell us everything that you feel everything that you think about about the US men's national team about the way that we're covering it whatever whatever comes to your mind let us have it once again that's at 343coaching.com Thank you for listening to another episode of the three, four, three podcast. If you are interested in accelerating your development as a coach and learning more about possession based soccer, you can visit three, four, three coaching.com and sign up for our premium coaching membership program. That is where you will get access to video, audio and ebook lessons that will help you reduce your trial and error time by showing you the methods that have been proven to work in the American soccer environment. Are an ambitious coach and you want to start learning the tried and true methods that have already been proven to work in the american soccer environment you can visit 343coaching.com to learn more about our coaching programs once again that is 343coaching.com all right thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast and we will catch you next time